It is really good uh, to be here tonight. And Scott, thank you so much for that kind introduction. I was hoping that the, the music guy, what's his name? What's his name? I don't know his name. I don't know his name. Whatever that guy is. It, you know, I mean, most things here um, at Grace have grown and, you know, there's, there's more people and things are bigger and better. But when the music has taken, you know, under my leadership, the music was just at a level that, you know, now under Blake, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, obviously, I'm joking. It was a joy to worship together with you all last, uh, this evening. And Teen Challenge people, man, like, thank you. I was honest and true. I was moved to tears um, by your testimonies and your song and uh, the, the power of what Christ is able to do. Um, I don't remember, there was a line in Heidi's song and I thought, that's everyone who knows Christ as their Savior, that's our testimony. That's, that's all of us who know Christ. That's our testimony. So thank you for encouraging us already uh, with the, uh, the truth from Scripture and our singing uh, here this evening. I've been asked to teach the parable of the midnight friend. So take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 11 if you have your Bibles. Or most of the people in my church, they scroll on their iPads or their iPhones. So turn or scroll, or you may even have it printed out in front of you. I think they said that the, there you go. Okay, you don't have to do anything. Just look at this sheet of paper in front of you. Grace Church, thank you for your generosity, bringing me and my family back. I know um, many of you made it possible for my whole family to be here. My kids are over enjoying Kids Fest right now, and Angie, where are you? I, yeah, she, there she is, the beautiful blonde waving her hand over there. Um, it's a lot of fun. We've been here already. We, we got here uh, late Sunday night, and we'll be here through Saturday and uh, spending just lots of time with lots of you. And um, it is, it is um, a sweet thing to remember our two years here. It, 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 it seems like it was way more than that. And we've been gone for almost three, and it doesn't seem like that's possible that we could have possibly been gone that long. Uh, so it, it's good to be back. Uh, we've got you know just such wonderful friends here, and um, it's great to see how things are growing. Uh, things at Liberty Baptist Church and Dalhart are growing and going well. Um, I, I'm excited by the spiritual growth, just the objective spiritual growth of people in our church. Um, I'm watching men who for the first time are taking leadership in their homes, men who for the first time are having consistent uh, time with the Lord um, every day. They're, they're in their Bibles for the first time in their lives on a consistent basis. Uh, on Sunday nights, we have a Sunday evening service at our church, and on Sunday nights we're teaching um, systematic theology. And uh, there, there are men in our church who have been Christians for 10, 15 years, and they will come up to us afterwards and say, thank you for teaching this. I, I, I never knew that. I, I never knew, I never understood the Trinity. I didn't understand this, understand this about Jesus Christ. And so it, it's just fun. I, I've had a lot of opportunity to talk with Scott. We had lunch with Scott and Patty today. And um, I, I've said, I, I'm surprised by how much I love the people in my church. Um, I wasn't ready to love them that much this quickly. And uh, so that's, I mean, it's just been a great joy. And our family is adjusting to life in a cattle town where it smells like cattle all the time. That's what, that's what it smells like. And so you might, you might think, Jeremy, is where you live, is it, it's not like one of those dusty little cattle towns, is it? W whatever's in your mind when you're asking that question, that's exactly where we live. That's it. Um, dusty little cattle town in North Texas, and uh, we love it, and we're thankful for what God um, is doing uh, through us and, and in us. Um, I've also been, I've all, this is just as obviously as things are coming to my mind now, um, I'm, I also am surprised by how much I enjoy preaching every week. 
Um, I don't know if anybody else is learning and growing, but I am. And it's been a fantastic uh, thing in, in my own life to be in the Word every week and then serving it uh, to our people. And they, they love the Word of God. They love having it opened uh, to them on a weekly basis. And so that, that's been fun. Thanks, thank you so much for bringing us back. Um, several people have said, welcome home. And we, we do kind of feel that. Um, we feel like this is another, another home. And so thank you. Let's ask God one more time to bless our time together this evening and then we'll dive into Luke chapter 11. Father, you have already been high and lifted up this evening through the singing that we've done collectively, through the testimonies that we've heard of your strength in the life of the brothers and sisters that are part of Teen Challenge. And now, Father, I pray that we would worship you as the word of God is opened. Spirit of God, I pray that you would come and do what only you can do, that you would take the word of God and make us more like the Son of God. We pray these things in his name. Amen. The parable that I have is here in Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8 very specifically in just a minute. But the title this evening is Jesus, Teach Us to Pray. Jesus, Teach Us to Pray. As soon as you hear that a sermon is going to be a sermon about prayer, if you're like me, immediately you think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting convicted in this one. Watch. How many of you pray enough? Right, right? No, yeah, one person raised their hand. Right, the rest of us, immediately, when the, when the subject of prayer is even opened up, we immediately think, oh man, like I know, I know I'm not praying enough, or, or I, know, I know I'm maybe not praying the right way, that sort of thing. And here's my, here's one of my main goals this evening is to use the truth of Scripture to change the way you feel about praying, because so often when we pray, we think of it as this, as this, and it is a discipline, and it is hard, but we think of it as this necessary discipline that's no fun, and, and in order to be a good Christian, I, I really have to make this a big part of my life, but man, I don't really feel like doing it because it's hard, or I'm just, I'm not sure that God likes me right now, and I think in this passage, God not only wants to teach us some things about how to pray, but he wants to teach us something about how we feel when we pray. We're going to ask Jesus the same question that his disciples did. Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples, they ask him here in verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. I mean, can you imagine Jesus is praying, and you're listening to him praying, and you're thinking, my, my prayers aren't anything like the way he prays. Lord, can you, can you teach us to pray the same way that you? John has taught his disciples how to pray. Lord, we want you to teach us to pray. And Jesus, graciously and kindly and lovingly, he does. He does exactly what they've asked him to do. Lord, teach us to pray, and then, and then he does. And while the parable that we're going to look at tonight is in verses 5 through 8, in order for us to really understand the parable, I think we have to look at some of the Scripture right before it and some of the Scripture right after it. So the parable is in verses 5 through 8, but we're going to look at verses 1 through 13 together this evening. Here, here's the main point. For those of you note-takers or people who like to know the main point right out of the gate, here it is. You should pray Christ's pattern with bold persistence to a loving father. You should pray Christ's pattern for prayer with bold persistence, with, with bold 
persistence to a loving father. We're gonna divide that main point up into three points. That'll be the three points for the sermon this evening. First of all, we are to pray Christ's pattern. Look in verse two. And Jesus, he's answering the question that they've asked. They asked, Lord, would you, would you please teach us to pray? And now Jesus is gonna start answering that question. And he said to them, okay, guys, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And what Jesus is doing here, his disciples have asked him to teach them to pray. And Jesus gives them a pattern for prayer. He gives them a form for the way that they should pray. When we know that Jesus is giving them a, a guideline or, or, or a pattern and not a specific formula to pray word for word verbatim without our minds engaged. And we know that because even in Matthew, this same prayer is actually listed a little bit differently. Jesus adds and subtracts just a little bit from both of those two prayers as they're listed in two different gospels. And I think that's to help us understand, okay, this isn't like a, a lucky rabbit's foot. It's not just a formula that you say out loud and, and Jesus is just going to give you whatever you ask for as long as you pray this formula the right way. No, this, this is given to us as, as a pattern, as a, as a guideline. It's a guide teaching us the way to pray. And I think, I think even for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, and we know this pattern really well, most of you out here can quote the Lord's Prayer word for word as it's listed in Scripture I think sometimes when we stop and think about it, we realize we, we don't pray this way hardly ever. I think it actually confronts the typical way that we pray. There's, there's kind of four sections that this prayer is divided into. So under point number one, we say that Jesus, uh, we pray Christ's pattern. And if, if you want to put underneath point number one, letter A, they're one of the first sections that we're supposed to pray for is for, for Christ's kingdom to come, for, for the Father's kingdom to come, for his name to be hallowed and his kingdom to come. And this might be the most obvious point of confrontation for us in the way we pray. So Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, here's what you're supposed to pray. Pray this, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And brothers and sisters, for most of us when we pray, one of the first things that we pray when we start praying is we start praying for whose kingdom to advance. We start praying for our own kingdom to advance. We, there, there are things in our life, in our world, in our kingdom, and those are the things that we start praying for, and we skip over the very first thing, the very first priority that God has given us to pray for. Right from the get-go, it's not about our kingdom. It's that God's name would be hallowed, that God's name would be seen as great, that God, that God and his glory would be put on display in our lives and through the way that we live. This is the first thing that Jesus says, when you pray, boys, pray like this. Here's how you're supposed to pray. And yet so much of our praying is for the advancement of our own kingdom. For example, Lord, give me, give me this, there's this job I want. God, give me this job. And, or Lord, give me this raise. There's a raise that I really need. Or Lord, give me this opportunity. Or God, give me this health. Or give my children these opportunities. And all of those things are wonderful things to pray. We should pray those things. But, but those are prayers for the advancement of our own kingdom. The, the, the advancement of the McMorris kingdom. And Jesus said, well, there's, there's a king that's greater than you, Jeremy. 
And there's a kingdom that's far more significant and far more eternal than the McMorris kingdom. There's, there's my kingdom. This is challenging, isn't it? Letter B, we're to pray for provision. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and we pray for far more than provision. So much of what is on our quote unquote prayer list is not a prayer for provision. It's a prayer for what we want. We're to pray that God would give us our daily bread, a prayer for provision. We're to pray, let her see, pray for help with relationship with others. Forgive us our trespasses, even as we forgive others who have trespassed against us. There's, there's, there's prayer for divine help with human relationships. And, and isn't that often one of the most problematic areas in our life? I was talking to someone recently and he was, he was sharing with me. He's like, man, things, things are rough between me and this other brother right now. We, we are just, we are butting heads. And, and, and as you think about the problems that you have in your life, so often it's a problem, it's a relational problem. And we're to call out to God and say, God, help me as I'm relating to other people. Help me to forgive others just as I have been forgiven. Help me to, for, to be forgiven just as I have forgiven others. And then letter D, prayer for power over sin. We're to, we're to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for, from evil. So, so here's a pattern for us to pray. Now, this, we're not to the parable yet, but we gotta, we gotta work through the pattern in order for the parable to make sense. Brothers and sisters, are your prayers kind of stale and boring? And do you kind of start your prayer list and your mind just wanders off into the middle of nowhere? I mean, you're gone or maybe your prayers are just kind of wooden and you have that prayer list and you've got that, the names listed out there or the needs listed out there and maybe you're even saying them out loud and you're saying the prayer request and you're praying that prayer request and praying the next and praying the next and your mind, your mind is a million miles away. I think God has given us this pattern to actually help us pray better. I think giving attention to God's pattern of priority in prayer would actually radically change the way we pray. We know that prayer is us expressing desire to God. And without a pattern for prayer, we don't necessarily know if the desires we're expressing are right and accurate. But, but when you use, when you use and this, goes, this holds for anything in life, when you use a pattern, when you use a guide, when you use a method, it actually disciplines you to be better. So for, so for instance, my, my kids are having Kids Fest. My, my oldest son, Jay, most of you will remember, um, he, is, he is totally in to disc golf. Do you know what disc golf is? It's playing golf with a Frisbee. Some, you might call it Frisbee golf. And if, if you say that, then you've never played it because the guys that are serious about it uh, call it disc golf. And, and he is weird good at disc golf, like crazy good. He plays all the time, he's got like his own portable, we got him for Christmas, his own portable disc basket. And he puts it all over the place around the church property. And he's like, he's just constantly throwing and he's working on, and he's got these, he's got 20 different discs and they do different things. So you throw this one, dad, and it'll kind of bank to the right and then finish left. And if dad, if you throw this one into the wind, it's gonna hyzer up and then anhyzer back down. And he's using words and I don't even know what they mean, but they mean something in the disc golf world. And then he'll say, dad, okay, dad, hold the disc like this. 
And then, and then he gives me all these, po- and, and the, the, the really humbling, scary thing, like he, he knows what he's talking about. At first I was like, this kid's blowing smoke. He didn't know what he's talking about. And then I realized, no, he's been watching like hours of Google videos. And then he goes and practices in the yard. And he's really good. And so he'll say, dad, look, here's the, here's the pattern. Here's the formula. Dad, if you'll discipline yourself to do it this way, you'll throw farther. Dad, throw it this way and you'll get 30 yards out of, 30 more yards out of your drive. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. And then like when he's not around, I'll try it. And I think, man, that rascal was right. <laughs> when, when we are willing sometimes to discipline ourselves in an area, it actually brings greater freedom, doesn't it? We, we know this to be true in so many different areas of life. And if we were to take God's pattern for prayer and instead of getting up and saying, Lord, thank you for this day. Bless me as I go to work. Thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. What if we started with God Today in my life, your name needs to be made great. And, and, in, and it, where I work, God, would you use me today to see the kingdom of Christ advanced in my, in my work setting? And Lord, with my kids and with my family, God, would you use me and the words that I speak today to see your name hallowed, to be your name put on display as glorious and holy? And would you use me to, to advance your kingdom in the work that I do today? So all I'm praying is, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. But when we use, when we use something like a pattern to start, to start causing us to think about what we're praying, I can, spend, I can spend 10 minutes on hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And I've used a pattern to discipline myself, but I've exploded my opportunities to pray. Okay, for sake of time, I gotta keep moving. We, we understand that this actually, that this actually helps us to grow in our ability to pray. And brothers and sisters, sometimes, sometimes we need training wheels, right? So don't be afraid to, to copy down the Lord's Prayer, to put it somewhere in your, in your Bible, in your notes, and to think, okay, I'm gonna use these training wheels. I'm gonna use this pattern to help me, to help me pray. Jesus is saying, boys, you wanna know how to pray? Here's, here's what you pray. In verses, in verses two through four, Jesus says, here's, how, here's what you pray. And now in the section where we finally get to the parable, Now Jesus is going to tell us how to pray. And this brings us to the story that we have before us. Verse five, Jesus said to them, which of you has a friend, excuse me, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has just arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, I've read some commentaries on this passage, and and some commentators say um, during, during this time in human history, because of the heat, um, that was, you know, in the summertime, a lot of times travelers would travel through the night on their way to a place. And sometimes they may even arrive at midnight at the home that they were, that they were destined for. And uh, so it was, it was customary for people to be traveling right through the night and to show up at midnight. And there were other commentators who said, no, that's ridiculous. Uh, people always travel in the day and they don't travel at night. Whether it was normal or not, when someone bangs on your door at midnight, like that's, in, that's inconvenient. You, you weren't ready for them. So, so here this guy, he, he's asleep, and, and, and all of a sudden he has a, a knock on his door, and it's a college buddy that he hasn't seen for years. 
right? And this guy's from way off in, he's been, you know, he's been in, living in Syria and he comes over and, he, and he's banging on the door and he goes and he opens the door and it's, you know, Nathaniel, hey man, how, I haven't seen you in years. And he comes in and his friend Nathaniel says, man, I'm hungry. What do you got to eat? And the guy says, man, I, I, don't, I don't have anything, but hang on. I'll run over and see Zedekiah next door and I'll ask him, I'm, he's got, I'm gonna, let me go get some bagels. So he runs over to the house next door and he's banging on the door and Zedekiah is asleep and his wife is asleep and all his kids are asleep and they're all asleep on some kind of sleeping mat where they're all together. And there's a knock on the door and Zedekiah says, who is it? And it, you know, it's Zedekiah's neighbor. And Zedekiah says, go away. I'm sleeping. My wife is sleeping. All my kids are sleeping. And, the, and his friend just keeps knocking on the door and says, I need some bagels. I have a friend who showed up and I don't have enough to feed him. And Zedekiah rolls his eyes, tip, tries to get around his family, takes the bolt off the door, <clears throat> gives the guy the bagels just to get him to go away. He gives the guy what he wants because the guy is so impudent, the English Standard Version says. Other translations translate that persistent. The guy's just, the guy won't give up. He's not leaving that door until he gets the bagels. Now, please don't be, some of you are like, well, it doesn't say bagels. I mean, it was bagels. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make the story colorful, okay? It, it probably wasn't bagels. It might have been Sweebach or something. I don't know. The point that Jesus is making in this story is this. Even if your friend won't give you bread because he's your friend, he'll give it to you if you don't leave him alone. If you hang in there, if you stay persistent, the word that we often use, and it's actually the right word in this passage, is the word nag. If you just keep nagging the guy until he has to give you what you need or want in order for you to go away, you hang in there, he's gonna give it to you. And, and we, we hear this story and we think, why, why is Jesus kind of using a bad example to illustrate something that should be really, really positive and really good? I mean, let, let's, let's talk about that. Here we go. This, this guy, this guy comes and he's knocking on his friend's door and he's asking for bread. And he has, he has just shameless boldness just shameless audacity. Jesus is saying, this guy's gonna get what he wants, whether he gives it to him out of friendship or whether he gives it to him out of his impudence, his bold persistence. Matthew Henry, the old English commentator says this, we prevail with men by importunity because they are displeased with it. I'm gonna explain this in a second. Okay, this is old, like, Shakespearean almost. We prevail with men by importunity because they are displeased with it, but with God because he is pleased with it. In a more modern, okay, let's put it in English Standard Version, Jeremy. We get what we want from human beings by nagging them because they don't like it. Because they don't like being nagged. Right? So if I go and nag you and nag you and nag you, you don't like it and you want it to stop. And so in order for me to stop, you're going to give me what I want. Right? Stop nagging me. Go away. Here. Here's your bagels. It works with God because he likes it. it God, is, God is not, we're going to talk about this because the passage ends with the fatherly love of God. 
God, God's not like the friend who's rolling his eyes and coming out. God hears you persistently, unashamedly, boldly, nagging. Cody told me that was going to happen. Um, boldly coming to him and just nagging and nagging. And you know what's happening in his heart during that? Oh, yeah, that's right where I want you. I want you on your knees. I want you praying. I want you coming to me. You've come to the right person. I want you on your, I want you looking to me in faith. Keep on asking. This is good for you. We nag people because it works, because they don't like being nagged, but it works with God because he does. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. There's another parable, a very similar parable. And I'm just going to kind of walk us through this one real quickly. Luke 18 says this, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So here, Jesus does us a favor, and right at the very beginning of the parable, he says, oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you this story. This story is so that you will know that when you pray to me, I want you to keep praying, and I want you to be persistent. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge, a bad judge. He neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, the bad judge refused, but afterward he said to himself, look, I don't, I don't fear God, nor do I respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray and keep praying. And keep praying and don't lose heart, don't faint. Keep praying, keep praying, keep coming to me. Why, why would God want us to keep praying? Why not just pray once? Surely you've thought of this before, right? God's omniscient, God's all-powerful. He knows I meant it the first time. Why would, I, why would I pray again? I prayed that he would heal my mom. I prayed that he would save my son. I prayed, uh, so I've prayed the prayer. He knows I still mean it. Why, why would I keep praying? This sentence makes sense to me. Let me. I hope it makes sense to you. God wants us to pray because he wants us to pray. God wants you praying because he wants you praying. God wants you on your knees, coming to the almighty God of the universe consistently because it's good for you. He's, he's not up in heaven deliberating, thinking, okay, so Adrian Oscom, he's praying about this. I'm not sure what my answer is going to be yet, so I want him to pray about this for a year. And so Adrian will keep praying, and while he's praying, that's going to buy me some time so that I can figure out what my answer is going to be. He, he's not seeking counsel, right? He doesn't have a, you know, a line to someone. Like, like God knows what his answer is going to be before you ever prayed the prayer the first time. 
God wants us to pray because he wants us to pray. God wants us praying because he wants us praying. I remember, this was in, when I was in college, I remember a friend of mine uh, doing a, like a chapel, a devotional thing, and he said, he was, speaking to a bunch, he was speaking to the men in the dorm, and he said, guys, you don't need to read another book on, pray, on prayer, you need to pray. You don't need a new method for prayer, you need, you need to pray. You don't need a new journal to write a new prayer list in, you need to pray. And he said, you need to pray probably 100 times in a 15-minute devotional, and I've never forgotten it. And you know what? He's right. We need to pray. We need to pray. God wants us to pray because he wants us to pray. Prayer is good for us. It strengthens faith. It strengthens us. And the next couple of verses in this passage reinforce the teaching that Jesus is giving here through the parable. And I tell you, verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And in the the original languages here, the, the Greek verb tenses that are used, they actually make it even more powerful. They say this, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be opened unto you. Keep on doing it. Be like the persistent guy, the shameless guy with shameless boldness who's knocking on the door and knocking on the door and he's like, I can smell you've got bread in there and my bro needs bread. I'm not leaving till I'm coming in the window. I want the bread for my friend. And Jesus tells us, a story of a guy with kind of a bad attitude, the, the friend, uh, who doesn't want to get up and give him bread, to make clear to us what he wants us doing in prayer. Keep coming. Keep the one who keeps on asking, keeps on seeking, keeps on knocking. To him it will be given. Now remember, he's already given us the pattern. So you might think, Jeremy, I've been praying for a new truck for three years is your daily bread being provided for? If your daily bread's being provided for, like God's answering prayer, God's taking care of you. He's already given us a pattern to pray, so we pray that pattern consistently and repeatedly and, and knocking and seeking and ask, or, uh, asking and seeking and knocking. We see that Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer and that helps us know what to pray. He t- tells us this parable on prayer and it teaches us how to pray. And in the end of this passage, Jesus gives us one more illustration. And here is where I believe Jesus wants us to know how to feel when we pray. Now, I know, I know expository preachers, reformed kind of people in their, in their theology, we're not supposed to feel much. But I really do believe that in this passage, God wants us to feel a certain way when we're on our knees coming to the Lord in prayer. There's a relationship that we're going to look at here in a second, but there's a relationship that almost all of us understand very clearly and very well. This kind of persistent going to someone and asking over and over and over and over and over again, there's a relationship in most of our lives where this actually works regularly with our kids, right? With our kids. So um, I have a very small family. I only have four children. I'm just a very, it's like a starter family. It's hardly like even having kids compared to you all. Um, and uh, in, in order to be, in order to survive in a family with lots of kids, you have to be able to block out stuff. And sometimes us as dads, we get too good at blocking out stuff, right? So there's dad, 
dad, dad, dad, dad, dad, dad, dad, dad. And like, I don't hear it. I don't want to hear it and I don't hear it, right? And then there's every now and then like where they will crawl up and you're like reading a book or you're doing something, watching television and they crawl up in your lap and they put their hands on the side of your face and they put their forehead against your forehead and they go, dad. And then like at that point, you can't act like you're not hearing it anymore, right? You can't see the TV. And so you got to do something. I, I think this is what Jesus wants us doing with him, right? Getting, getting our hands on his face, getting our forehead against his forehead. Dad, dad. And, and in this relationship, it works. Um, I, I, uh, in the, the church that I pastor, the home that we live in, in is a parsonage and it's, it's just right behind the church. So I can, I can walk from my house into my church office in a, like 28 seconds. I mean, it's just, it's right there. And so my kids are in and out of church a hundred times throughout the course of the day. And there are times where, where I'm counseling people in my office and the door's closed and I've got a big window uh, in my door but none of my kids are tall enough to see in. So do you know what they do when the door's closed? They just open it up and come on in. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in the middle of counseling someone and just like in barges, you know, evangeline or whatever. And, and they'll see, oh, there's, there's people here, but they just, they're just coming to see dad. And they, dad, can I, and, and I have like, um, peppermints in my office. And th th like, I already know they're not there to see me. They want to ask if they can have a peppermint. And most of the time the answer is no. But you know what they do? They nag and they nag. Dad, can I have one now? And they'll come back an hour later. Can I have one now? You know, you know. And then eventually, you know what they get? Yeah, they get, they get their peppermint because they're just, they're so consistent and they're so bold and they don't like, and, and you might say, Jeremy, that's really bad parenting to let them just barge in while you're counseling with someone. I, I don't think it is, so um, they just, they barge in and I ask them, hey, what do you need? And, and then uh, send them back out on their way. I actually want them to know, hey, this is safe. Come on in, come on in. And I might only have 20 seconds for you right now, but we'll talk about it later. God wants us to be, to be ready. And so God does something um, that's so kind. He gives us a relationship that every single person in here can relate to, the relationship of a family. Everyone in here has a dad. Some have good dads, some have great dads, some don't have dads that are particularly good. But we all know, every single one of us knows what a good dad should be like. If you have a good dad, you know what a good dad should be like because you're like, well, yeah, I've got one. And if you have a bad dad, you know what a good dad should be like because you know you've got a bad dad and you know what a good dad should be like. And God is so kind to give us this relationship that everyone on earth immediately understands. Look in verse 11. What father, this is point number three. So we're, we're to pray Christ's pattern with bold persistence and now three to a loving father. Verse 11, what father among you? If his son asks for a fish, if his son's asking for something to eat, if his son asks for a fish, well, instead give him, of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, oh, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What does your prayer, like, prayer life feel like? How, how do you think God views you? He, 
we need to think this passage to answer those questions. Because he's a loving father. He's a good, you know the song, good, good father? He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And he's saying, you evil dads, and that's all of us that are dads, all of us that are dads out here, we're, we're the evil dads. You evil dads know not to give your child a snake or a scorpion when all, they're just hungry. They want food. And you know not to give them bad things when they need good things. And you also, the reverse is true, you also know not to give them what they want if what they're asking for is a snake or a scorpion, all right? So if your kid comes and says, can I have a snake? And by the way, the answer is no. Snakes should not be in homes. Snake is the one who deceived Adam and Eve. I was in a home recently, today, that had a snake inside the home on purpose. And it's just disturbing that that would be the case. It's just a lack of shepherding, I guess, or something. I don't know, spiritual maturity or something. But Cody and, Le- and, and Brittany are good friends of mine, so I, I won't name them. You're, you're wise enough to know that, that your children are expressing, expressing desires and, and you need to give them what's good. And you're the evil dads. And here Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater to make a point. If you evil people know how to give what is good, how much more? How much more? Jesus isn't saying you're evil and you know how to do good and I know how to do good too. Jesus is saying you're evil and you know how to do good. Imagine how much more I'm able to give good to those who are my children, to those who ask. Jesus wants us to look at him as this, as this incredibly loving father. And we need to feel the love of God for us through Christ. So you might say, okay, so, so why do my prayers seem to go unanswered sometimes? Well, it's because God's a really good, God's a really good and wise father. And he knows what you need better than you know what you need. So, so you pray because you think your desire is for a new truck or, or a girlfriend, or a satisfying marriage. All those things are good. And you feel that that's your greatest desire, but God's a good father, how much more so than the evil fathers. God's a good father. And when he looks at you, he sees that your, your desire is not, is not ultimately for a truck. You'll get a truck and you'll be miserable. You'll get a girlfriend and you'll be miserable. And you can have a fantastic marriage and be miserable because God sees that the desire that you have is not ultimately a desire for anything that this world can offer you. The the desire that's in your heart is the desire for God. And so that's why he says, so what I'm gonna give you is the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I see you're asking for food. I'm not gonna give you a scorpion. I see that you're hungry. And you think that what's going to fill the hunger is this thing. And I'm telling you what's going to fulfill that hunger is me. And so I'm gonna give you more of me. I think I'm way out of my notes now. I'm, I'm just talking and I'm not even in my notes. You, we pray because we think our desire is for these things. And, and, and the good father, the loving father, he sees that your real need is to be satisfied And so in his wisdom, in his wisdom, he withholds the lesser thing that you're praying for specifically 
And he gives you the greater thing that he knows you need. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Pastor, author, old school, J.C. Ryle says this, the Holy Spirit is beyond doubt the greatest gift which God can bestow upon man. Having this gift, we have all things, life, hope, and heaven. Having this gift, the Holy Spirit, we have God the Father's boundless love, God the Son's atoning blood, and full communion with all three persons of the blessed Trinity. Having this gift, we have grace and peace in the world that now is, glory and honor in the world to come. And yet this mighty gift is held out by our Lord Jesus Christ as a gift to be obtained by prayer. So, so we're asking for this, that, or the other thing, and we should. He's a good father. Ask him for the egg. Ask him for the bread. Ask him for the fish. And in his wisdom, let him withhold that and let him give you the Holy Spirit when he knows that's what you need. Let him give you more of himself. Because what's happening? How, how, it's actually happening because you're persisting in prayer. You're getting him on your knees. You're getting him by faith through prayer. So brothers and sisters, I, our passage tonight is pretty clear. Pray this pattern with bold persistence to a loving father. As I conclude, for many of you here, there's still one nagging question. Jeremy, what about the times when I know I've been praying according to this pattern and I've been praying persistently and I know God's a loving father. I, I've been praying. I, I know it's God's will that this person uh, come to Christ. I, just, I, I know that that's the heart of God. And, I, and, I, and I've been praying for this for years. And I know I'm praying it to a good, to a good God. So, so why doesn't God answer this prayer? What's up with that? I heard an excellent sermon by a, a pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City. His name is Abraham Cho. He's really helpful to me on this point. On the one hand, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Why, why doesn't God always answer prayers that are, from our perspective, they're prayed according to the right pattern, and they're prayed persistently, and they're prayed to a loving Father? I don't know. But I do know this. I do know that God is loving you even in his no answer to you. And that he's up to something good. And you say, Jeremy, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, everything works for God's glory and my good. I know that. I, I, wanted, I wanted a more helpful answer than that. When, when Jesus Christ was on the eve of his crucifixion, and you'll remember he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and, and the Bible says that he sweat great drops of blood. I mean, he's in agony with the Father. And you remember the prayer that Jesus prayed in that moment? He says, if there's, if there's, Father, if there's any way, if there's any other way, let this cup, let, let what lies before me, let, let this cup pass from me. And, and do you remember God the Father's answer to his own son? God the Father loves Jesus Christ. God the Father loves his son. And do you remember the answer? God's answer is a clear, clearly no. No, there is no other way, and this cup will not pass from you. 
And so one of the most significant prayers ever prayed is answered with a no. And it was for God's glory and all of our good. There's never been greater good come to the human race than through the answer of a prayer that was no. And brothers and sisters, I don't, I don't pretend to have God's perfect, omniscient, providential perspective on everything, but there may be something that you're, just, that you're just wrestling with and you know you're praying it right and you know it's the right thing to pray for and you've been praying for a long time and you know, you know God is good. You know he's a loving father and you still think, but why is the answer no? On one hand, I don't know why, but on the other hand, I know he's good and I know it's for your good. It's for his glory and it's for your good. We see it when we, when we peek over the garden and look into the garden of Gethsemane and we see Jesus Christ and the answer to his prayer is no. He is loving and he is up to something good. So my friends, my brothers, my sisters, family, feel like family in so many ways, keep praying. Keep praying and keep praying. And tomorrow when you get up, get on your knees, or maybe you don't get on your knees, get out your prayer list and pray. And pray God's pattern. And keep praying, keep praying, keep praying consistently. And pray it to a God who is a loving, loving father. He's a good father. You're an evil father, and he's a good father. Pray God's pattern persistently to a loving father. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, you are, you're a good, good father. You want us to pray a pattern that helps us pray. You want us to pray persistently because it's so good for us. It's so good for us to just persistently, day after day, be on our knees before you. You're good to make us wait for the answer to prayer. And Lord, we just know that you're good. We know that you're a good father. So God, I pray that even tonight, I ask that you would help us even tonight when we pray to think and feel differently because we know what to pray. We know that you want us to keep praying for that thing we've just been praying for for years. And we know you want us to pray to a loving, good, wise Father. Father, you are loving. You're good. You're wise. Your name is holy. I pray that we <clears throat> would be a people who hallow your name, who set your name apart, who interact with you in a, in a different way. We pray that your kingdom would come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.